what's out there. That's why I'm a girl. Hi, and welcome back to Wild Dream, where we give you the freshest, freshest takes on the, on the latest, latest movies. movies. My name's David. What the fuck are you doing? I'm back, bitch. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. You, th- you take I'm one black. I'm back. I'm you black. Take one week off, and uh-huh. all of a sudden you come in here and you think you can do part of this intro. You think Hell you can interrupt yeah. my intro? I absolutely can. <sighs> all right, guys. Well, we're just gonna have Jackson come and co-host the show for the rest of the. Y'all, we're, hey, we got so many freaking correspondences. I can't even say. So many calls, emails, texts, everything you can imagine. Page. Every, we got a page. We got pagers going off, all right? And we had, which we spent most of our budget on, and I regret it really hard. <laughs> yeah. But everyone was just like, where's Daniel? Bring him back. Bring him back. Oh, my God. I miss him. He's so cute. He's so handsome. Um, and... <laughs> Because of that, I was like, okay, fine, I'll come back. So I am back. Um, people were like, Jackson is just not good, li- good looking enough for me. Yeah, I need someone better looking. <laughs> and I was like, let me, let me come back. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for all the outpouring and love that you guys gave for me. And yeah, because so, uh, because I, we got so much outpouring and love from all of you fantastic listeners, um, we decided to do what today, Dave? We decided to do a listener submitted episode so i know at the top we both said we give you the freshest takes on the latest movies well we're not giving you uh fresh takes or uh latest movies because not only is this a fan submitted movie so it's not a new movie um we also for the first time are not recording on the same day that we watched the movie um with it being mother's day weekend we wanted to Move the schedule around a little bit just so that we can make sure that we spend as much time with our mom this weekend. So love you, mom. Thank you for always supporting us. And, and she's a you know avid reposter of all of our content. I'm like, you fake fucking fans. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, yeah, just again, thank you to Jackson for last week uh, coming in and, and filling in for us. Um, you know, and I, I didn't want to put him on the spot during the episode, but I was like, man, like I got my most attractive friend uh, to come on my audio only podcast. <laughs> 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 really helped. <laughs> we really we did him a disservice. I, we, did, we didn't show his full potential. Exactly. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jackson, for filling in, um, especially for a Marvel movie. <laughs> y'all know. Yes, y'all know me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a broken record on that shit. So, um, yes, we did a f- uh, listener submitted episode uh, today, and that movie that was selected, which if you saw our Instagram, this has already been spoiled, was. The, the autopsy, autopsy of, of Jane Doe. Doe. Uh, this was submitted by Mitchell. And shout out to Mitchell. Now, Mitchell had pretty good odds uh, in the drawing. Um, for those of you who don't know, you can submit as many movies as you want. Yep. And in fact, you don't have to submit a movie at all. If there's just an episode that you want us to do, if you want to hear our top five or bottom five, or you want to hear about our favorites, like actors or directors or something or just any type of episode like that you can submit that too but mitchell you know he went out and he submitted a ton of movies and we are very very grateful for that so thank you very much and i'm very grateful for him submitting this movie too because this movie has actually been on my list for a long time uh you know this movie is like I, you know especially during the halloween season but in general i love to watch like documentaries and um you know, listen to podcasts about horror movies and the history of horror movies and things like that. And this movie is one that like 
every horror connoisseur loves this movie, you know, um, and it's been talked about for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, man, I want to put this on my list and I don't want to read anything about it. And I don't, you know, it's like, I, I just want to know that they love it and that they, you know, think there's so many great, great things about it. Um, and then let's go check it out. So, uh, this movie, not only, um, you know, getting into like a little bit of spoiler free talk here, uh, you know, not only was this movie, I think really well done and re- like, I liked it a lot, but it's also a perfect length movie. I mean, this movie is under 90 minutes. And because of that, there's not very much of this movie that is wasted airtime, you know? And it's like, yeah, like that's, that's really great. I agree. I think too, um, as we're in spoiler free talk, I, I think that I agree that the first thing I noticed was how good the movie looked, um, just yeah. in terms of color palette, I guess. It reminded me of Prisoners a lot. It was just so dark. And the color grading was really good. And, yeah. and if you notice color grading in a movie, like that's kind of unique, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I agree. Um, so that that was, you know, instant. And um, I've always been a big Emile Hirsch fan, so it was fun to see him on screen. You know, I say see on screen again, even though this is from 2016. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was really cool, too. Um and as far as the runtime goes, it's like, yes, the, it's perfect because I did not agree with a lot of everything in this movie. There was a, uh, some stuff in this movie and little chunks of the movie that I thought were like really corny and like they shouldn't have gone there. But since it's so short, it doesn't linger. It doesn't leave a stain on the movie the way that a longer movie exactly. would. I've, uh, if you listen to our top five, you know that my number one top five horror movie was Hereditary. And there's an entire section of that movie that sucks. And it's because they do this ghost shit that is so cringe. And it's like, I wish that whole thing could, you know, get removed, which seems like a consistent thing with Ari Aster at this point where I'm like, just remove this whole section of the movie. Yeah. But uh, essentially, it's just like when you don't spend that much time on a movie – uh, uh, in general, much less these certain sections, it, it's if you don't like it, it's over quick. So you know what I'm saying? So it's like that works in your favor. Um, so just to give some extra context, I think that every episode that we do, we mention length of movies and how we prefer shorter movies. If you're wondering why we are that way, I think this is a great example of why it works in your favor. If you have a part of the movie that's not working like for you and your taste and what you prefer to see on screen... And it's only on screen for so long. It's only it's so short that there's not a lot of time for it to really affect the movie that much. Then it's just a better experience. It's like okay, that's done. It's over. Whatever. Um, so and we've talked about too. Short Term Twelve being one of those movies that just feels like it doesn't have a wasted frame. It's just so right. concise and purposeful in its storytelling. And it's what an hour and a half. Like it's just it's. I don't know. I think this is another great example of a, a, a movie runtime that totally works in its favor. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, in, in terms of like, you know, the the different elements of this movie, like being somewhat of like a murder mystery in a way, like I think that worked really well. I was very curious throughout the whole movie. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I got really curious in terms of the horror elements. Um, now, th- there were a couple of cheesy jump scares and you know how we feel about cheesy jump scares. Um, but at the same time, there are some horror elements that are done the right way. Like I, like I don't know how to like more express it, but it's just like yeah, we'll probably do it more yeah. in spoiler talk, but more yeah. in spoiler talk. Yeah. But there are just moments where it's like you can fuck this up by doing what a, most other 
shitty, lesser than, you know, horror directors would have done. And they did it the right way. And so yeah. it worked a lot. Now, again, the cheesy jump scare is really annoying. I hate that in every, you know, <laughs> movie that does that. And it, it's very frustrating. But um, all in all, I think the horror elements worked really well. The murder mystery part worked really well. And I think that the, um, the you know, relationship building in this movie worked pretty well as well, uh, you know, uh, it, as well. It worked well as well. It worked well as well. Fuck it. I'm just going to say well the whole goddamn thing. I give this movie a well out of 10. <laughs> uh, but I think that overall, like I said, like I just really enjoyed this movie. There's not a lot to talk about in spoiler free talk um, other than just that. You know, yeah, I think a lot of things were done the right way. And again, the, the shot composition is like. There's nothing extremely impressive about it. Um, I think that there are a lot of really great foundational horror um, shot compositions in this where it's like, you know, shots that you expect to see in horror movies. Um, And the vibe, like there were a lot of moments of this movie that gave me a similar vibe to PT, which I think was uh, one of the scariest like experiences I've ever had. So that's like that's really high praise. I actually agree. I also had some moments that I was, oh, this reminds me of PT. Like this is effective um, creepiness, like just very creepy and long uh, lasting, something that's probably going to make you scared to walk to your car at night, you know, like exactly. stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, some of that really worked. And like I said, there is some stuff that I did, did not think worked at all and that I wish they would have not dove into, um, which we'll get into in spoiler talk. Um, I think that we're both high on this movie in a, in a decently same rating, um, but we'll find out as we talk more about it. So... Let's get into a motherfucking spoiler talk, y'all. Scalpel. There's a spoiler alert in her chest. The autopsy of Jane Doe is about a father and son who are both coroners are pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who was apparently harboring dark secrets. Yeah, I mean, this movie, like the synopsis is pretty much what the title of the movie is, right? It's an autopsy of a Jane Doe. And um, the concept of this movie is very limited, which is, I think, what makes it so interesting, I guess, is that you're able to really just put in all of your effort in the writing process towards this, like, one singular concept. And basically, it's the concept of if you are a coroner, and you will have to do an autopsy on a, on somebody and the things that you are finding do not line up with what you know to be scientifically true. Like, how do you confront those issues? And then also, you know, in, incorporating this like paranormal element to this movie. Um, the movie opens up with, you know, the the this horrific murder scene um, in this in this house where, you know, these people were killed and and there's blood everywhere and they find a dead body in the basement um, buried underneath the soil that seems, you know, seemingly untouched, you know, like on, on upon site. Um, and one of the first things that me and Daniel said in this movie was ghost titties. This movie is about <laughs> ghost titties because the woman's completely naked, um, which this, she did a great job playing this naked woman who's lying still on a, on a table for 90% of the movie. I, I think it was really, really impressive, uh, you know, character work. Dead titties. Those dead titties. 
Dead titties, titties, those dead titties. Now, if you guys have any dead titties in your life, I'm, we apologize. We don't mean to be uh, <laughs> insensitive. insensitive. Um, but that was my first thought. And then so, uh, yeah, this is the kind of introduction to the movie of getting you set in. Uh, I think it's a good way of kind of getting your feet wet here because it's, it's just a, immediately a crime scene. Okay, cool. The movie is called Autopsy of Jane Doe. This lines up. Um, and then after this scene, we start to establish a little bit of character here. Um, something that the movie definitely dips its toes into, but it doesn't... It focuses more on the horror and the mystery than it does character, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, horror movies that try to do too much character because not many people can do that well. Uh, I think it's worth trying if it's a good director. But it, again, it's just like we're here to see scary shit, dog. And right. so I like that this movie did that. I like this hard cut where they're uh, from the crime scene to a completely mangled, burned body that looks super fucking real and like was that just me I, I feel like a lot of the dead bodies in this movie looked very just close enough to real that it was like actually kind of jarring yeah i mean it, it was bad enough that like this first opening body was a little bit triggering in a certain way to yeah me. yeah um but also like uh, yeah i think that this movie uh, the reason why most of it works so well from a horror perspective is because they decided like you can tell that they've decided to put a lot of of the of money into the prosthetics of this movie, into these dead bodies, into, yeah. you know, the, this aspect, because, you know, the movie's about two coroners, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, if, if the dead bodies in these movies that, you know, are all, you know, criminal investigations, you know, the, these autopsies, um, you know it wouldn't be as uh, effective of a movie without that. So I think that the fact that they were able to do really, really good prosthetics and not just, you know, with the dead bodies, but also with the actual autopsy when, when you know, once we get into it, because, you know, they have to cut her open and rip open a and like the, the skin and everything, it would just, it worked so well um, that, you know, if that, I think if that is done poorly, then I am going to be taken out of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to really be immersed in it. And so, um, yeah, that I was like one of the first things I noticed. I was like, man, they I would like it, again, the movie's from 2016. So it's not like a super old movie or anything like that. But I just I don't know. I, I was really impressed by by what they were able to do uh, for that aspect of it. I agree. And I, I think, too, this is kind of an interesting dynamic that you have this father and son team who are running their own little what is that called? Like a morgue? Yeah, a morgue. Yeah, it was kind of. It was weird. That it's funny because the exterior of the the exterior of this like morgue looks like a bed and breakfast, <laughs> right? And it, it there's looks, and they're seemingly underground for yeah. some reason too. I don't know. I mean, uh, like it did seem to me similar to the morgue in uh, Night of the Living Dead or Return of the Living Dead. Um, you know that movie, which also takes place majorly in a morgue. So like. I, from that perspective, I was like, okay, I guess it kind of looks familiar. Maybe I just don't know enough about morgues uh, to, to really get it. But uh, yeah, this the whole setting of this, it's like the the majority of the movie, like, and by the majority, I do mean like 99.9% of the movie takes place in this morgue. Yeah. So yeah, like a small location. Yeah. And that's another like writing concept, you know, is, is being able to tell a really good story in a really small place. And I think that the setting, uh, it helps this story a lot because 
um, as things start to go in the direction that, you you know, they are not expecting the fact that they are like get completely trapped in this, you know, place, um, I think makes the movie like kind of claustrophobic, which I think helps with the horror element of the movie. Yeah, definitely. And um, this is where we start to get some, uh, again, some character development here. Uh, essentially, this is a father and a son. They run this. Uh, uh, this is a family business. So they, they, they run this whole joint together. And the real character that gets set up here is essentially... Um, it's implied. It's implied that the mother has passed away, and it's done really well. We talk about ex- exposition a ton on this podcast. This is great exposition in this scene specifically. Uh, essentially, uh, the dad is talking about this movie that he had watched, and he's like, I don't know, it's just some uh, lady with Alzheimer's, and then her boyfriend or her husband or whatever is like building her house. And the son is like, yeah, that's the notebook. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Your mother made me watch that, and uh, I almost fell asleep. Um, yeah. And then it's yeah. just, they kind of keep talking and it's like this, it's, but you can tell by the, the, uh, the physical acting. Yeah. There's you know, this, their facial expressions yeah. and things like that, that it's you're this like weird pause and this like kind of reflection yeah. type of mood. And it's just a well done. They don't say anything outright. He's just saying, I, your mother made me watch that. And you can tell that he's having a memory of someone who's probably not here anymore. And so it's just really well done. Yeah. And, and like so the the development between the father and son I thought was really well done for most of the movie. I mean, it starts to get kind of you know uh bat on the head. <laughs> you know yeah, like it, it gets bad later in the movie. Yeah, later. Yeah. But in the beginning I really like it and I really like their dynamic, you know, he's not like a super hard ass who's like really tough on him, but he also doesn't let him do things wrong and he does correct him a lot um for like little things which, you know, it's like there's nothing that his dad does or says to him to correct him that I'm like, come on, you're being, you're just being a dick. Like yeah. it is like, yo, no, this is important. Like there's a point later in the movie where he's like, you know, woman is 20, 20 to 25. He goes, appears to be 20 to 25. It's like, yeah, like you can, you don't know. It's a Jane Doe. If you say for sure it is, well, then that report's going to go out there. And then someone who's looking for their daughter who's 30 might not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. So it's like appears to be, okay, my daughter was 30, but she looked, you know, 20, 25, whatever. Right. So like it, it, it's important. Like it's yeah. it, things like that. Him how to do the job correctly. Exactly. At the, at the best of his ability. Again, this is a family business. He's like, if I'm going to be gone one day and I'm handing this down to you, I want to make sure we have that same quality of when I was here. And so I, I did like, I told Dave, I was like, God damn it. This fucking father and son shit. Like it just like, piss me off. It's going to piss me off. Like, you know, of, cause of my own, you know, yeah, exactly. our, our dad issues and we'd never had a dad. And so it's just like, it's so funny when I see movies that where the dad is just so kind and like understanding You're and like, fuck you, but also <laughs> does, but also does tough love, but in a good way. And like, it's just like, Fuck you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just funny. Like, I was just like, okay, this is, I like the dynamic. Like, I also, have to admit that he's he's not being a dick. Right, I have to be exactly. Like, oh, I'm always fuck. anti-dad. And so yeah. I was like, what the fuck? But it's funny. Uh, what's really odd is that the casting for this is pretty fucking spot on because they actually kind of look alike, Emil Hirsch. And um, I loved you in, in, IMDb. Brian Cox. What's his real name for real? Brian Big Fat Fucking Cox. <laughs> there we go, baby. Brian Cox, of course, of course. Guys, 
We know that. We know that. Um, yeah. So uh, again, I like their dynamic. I like the casting. They actually do kind of look like. So it just really works. It feels very natural. It feels real. And so it gets yeah, you I think set. It's like it's somewhat of like. And I said this during the movies too because uh, Daniel had mentioned that. I was like, honestly, I think that's kind of a prop to the the hair and makeup department too. Like they made their hair look like, oh yeah, that's like the same hair. They have similar eyebrows. They have, you know what I'm saying? Like, like similar complexions. Similar dicks. Similar, similar <laughs> dicks. Similar dick sizes. Similar, similar dick shapes. Similar, similar dick shape. shape. Coloring, tone of the skin. I re- <laughs> That's important because that is how you know <laughs> whose father is whose. <laughs> so as, as of this point, we all, we obviously have some very like scientific, uh, what's the word, you know, like very run-of-the-mill standard normal practice practices of you know dissecting these bodies and finding cause of death so nothing is uh, although it's grisly nothing is creepy or anything yet but then we start to get into that um, with this next scene yeah and and what this is is uh the now I love this scene but I hate this character uh, <laughs> the son in the movie has this uh, girlfriend and she comes into the morgue and my first thought is you you can't can't do that like you can't, just, you can't just be here like what the fuck uh and they also they do a jump scare to introduce her by the way she it's like he's looking into a dark hallway because he heard then, a noise he heard a noise and then she ah, and she puts his, her hands over his eyes and, ah, yeah it's like big jump scare but it's like you should have seen your face you should have seen your face when i jump behind you while you're in this morgue by yourself <laughs> you fucking pussy why'd you fucking jump yeah just horrible jump scare um but this leads to a fantastic scene that, again, it's just we finally introduce some creepiness to the movie and uh, start to set the tone of the horror elements of the movie, right? Yeah, so she is, like, you know, she's saying that she wants to see one of these dead bodies that are in, in the uh, the little cells. And originally, you know, the son is like, uh, you know, I I don't know. My, he's like, my dad would kill me, you know, I, I can't, whatever. And then you hear the dad from behind me and says, you show her. You know, he's like, okay, like, do it. Yeah, at first it's like, uh, you're like kind of nervous. You're like, okay, is he only going to do this to, you know, you know, is he trying to fuck with her or whatever? And, you know, here's, here's the impression that I got from this scene, at least. And maybe I'm just reading into it because I want the movie to be good. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but my kind of like impression was like, well, if this girl's going to stick around, she got, she's got to be okay with this stuff. We, 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 we own a morgue. I, I took it the exact same way. I, yeah. th- I thought it was a litmus test from the dad to say, if you love my son, you're going to have to deal with what he does. Right. Right. So yeah, I, I read that exactly the same. Okay. So I'm not just reading into that. Good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So basically, you know, she's like, he's like, okay, well, which one do you want to see? And she points to one and she opens it up or he opens it up and it's this, you know, woman who's, you know, very like, like. You can see like the the decomposition kind of setting in or whatever, and this person's eyes and mouth are sewn shut. Um, so yeah, this is like again like when we talk about like these look super realistic. Like this is part of that. You know, it's like if this like you know design of this character, uh, this dead body doesn't look very fucking creepy and very realistic. Um, you know, it it would not have made like. It just wouldn't have landed in the horror element of this movie, but because yeah. it does, it works so well. And then, you know, you know, they'd say like a little something about her. And then she's like, uh, I pointed to th- this one, not that one. And he's like, I was like, come on now, you know, you're pushing it now, whatever. And the dad's like, all right, no, she said that one, you know, show her. And so they open it up. And this was one of the like the best, you know, parts of the movie for me and Dan. We loved this, uh, this design or this decision. They opened it up. And they pulled out and it's a body with a sheets 
like covering all of it except for his feet and right above on the head and they like cut to this aerial shot of you know directly above the body is the sheet is indented into the man's head so you can see that there's a hole in his head right and the sheet is like indented in and there's like some blood on the sheet and it was just really, really fucking creepy. Just like, and I, and I think it like it plays into that like uh, that Shakespearean thing where like you know like Shakespeare always had deaths happen off screen or off stage because they were never able to do anything in, during the play that was as gruesome as what your brain imagines when someone gets killed. Yeah, and so it does that. You know, it's like. I have to right now imagine what this guy's you know yeah, blown what's off under head. the sheet <laughs> exactly yeah. like blown off head looks like, and then so not only do you get one of the best visual parts of the movie, you then get one of the better lines of the movie that I think sets the tone for the rest of the movie, which I think you know like it, it really is like an integral part of the theme of the movie. The girlfriend asks, like, well, what happened to this guy? And the dad is like, he took a gunshot to the face. The dad is like, he didn't eat his vegetables and do his homework. So. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to grow up to be a guy who got shot in the face, I mean. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, but no, yes. and then he's like, well, you know, originally they said it was suicide, but you know, we found this, you know, trace of blah, blah, blah in his system, which means he would have been incapacitated before he got shot in the face. And then someone, you know, made it to look like he, you know, did it himself. And she says, why would anyone ever want to do that? And then the dad says, you're just like your, your boyfriend over here. It is not our job to figure out why leave that to the detectives and the cops. We are just here to figure out what happened. Yeah, they're there for a cause of death, and that's it. Um, and yeah, like you said, that does set the tone for the movie because uh, that that gives an insight into, obviously, the mindset that they're supposed to have when they're doing this job. And it also gives an insight into the fact that the son wants to do more, <laughs> right? Yeah. That the son is like, no, I want to figure out why, and you know, whatever. And that hunger to kind of uh, figure out the why and what behind everything. Um, so it's a, it's a great uh, little tug of war between them um that makes them a good team and uh again like you said especially when things start to hit the fan why each character acts the way that they do and makes the decisions that they make and it's like it's all set up here and uh yeah and it also gives some respectability to his integrity of exactly. what he does and the standard he holds himself to and yeah it's it's yeah, yeah and, and it's I a great it, moment yeah and when i think about it it's like yeah like that is if you are like whether it's your son or just your apprentice or anybody if you work in that you know field that is something you have to start teaching you know your your, your the people you're bringing up because yeah yeah like i can understand from that from his perspective like not only from a morality standpoint, but it's like once you start to think about why certain things happen, you're going to want to find things that might not be there. And, you know, you have to you know, detach yourself from the you know story of, of, you know, those things in order to figure out what happened and not why it happened. And so, yeah, it's like I get that. And I, I do think it's like that, I think, was a really, really big foundational piece of these two characters um, and, and moving forward. So and then, of course, and it, it can, you know, the. Uh, the old Chekhov's gun, you know, theory here. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. They have a, a little shot of a bell tied around on the toe of the of the man. And uh, she asks, like, what's this about? And he's like, oh, well, you know, um, it's an old, you know, mortician's thing where, you know, uh, they would uh, 
tie a bell to the end of the foot because you, you used to not be able to tell the difference between a comatose body and a, a dead body. So just in case, you know, somebody gets put in one of these things and they realize that they're not dead and they need to move around, you can hear the bell and then you'll come and get them. And they're like, well, why do you do it? He's like, oh, just, you know, for old tradition's sake or, you know, whatever. And, uh, but yeah, I just like, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely coming into play. 100% we will hear that bell ring. I don't know when, I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know why, but it's going to happen like 100%. Yeah. So essentially the, yeah, the whole scene just ends with them pulling a prank on her because she's like, I want to see the face. And he's like, no, you don't. I promise. And then they start to slowly peel it off. And then the bell starts ringing and it's the dad pulling a prank. Oh, my gosh. Gotcha. <laughs> got you. Got um, you. Which I really liked because I no, was like, the, he's dead, though. He did, <laughs> he did, he did get shot in the face. Uh, which part put them away? <laughs> yeah. None of this is okay <laughs> that we're showing her any of this. Um, yeah, so uh, like Dave said, yeah, Dave immediately when we were watching this, he was like, that bell's going to ring. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but this uh, leads into the next part of character development and story. Because after this, uh, the son is wanting to go out and hang out with his girlfriend and his dad. He's like, uh, as, as they're leaving, that's when this Jane Doe gets rushed in. And... Uh, Hey, I need I need you to find the cause of death on this. You know, this is the body that they found at the beginning of the movie. And uh, the son is like, wait, dad, you want me to help, you know, stay and help? And he's like, no, 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 go have fun with your girlfriend. Like, don't worry about it. I got it. He's yeah. Like, okay, cool. And like this, I kind of was like, this is what I didn't like about this character. I like, I didn't really care about this girlfriend. I don't think her character was that important. And I, and again, it's like, it's fine because her total screen time is like five seconds. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, it doesn't really matter that much, but like, they just have this whole scene where the son is like, Oh, you know, she's like, you haven't told your dad yet. And he's like, I can't, man. If he finds out that I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, you know, and I'm leaving for blah, 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 you know, he'll be furious, you know, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's just like, okay, you find out that he's actually planning on leaving. He's not going to take over the family business, blah, blah, blah. And you know, just like every other horror or action movie you've ever seen, as soon as somebody makes plans, for the future, you know that something really bad is going to happen. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, don't make plans for the future. Don't make plans for the future. Like, yeah. So uh, that that's kind of like in the back of your head of this scene. It's like, it, it it's almost like a, it, it's, it is like a, oh, if you know, if you make plans for the future kind of thing, but it's also like the, uh, God damn it, I was two weeks from retirement. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. The, the son is like, I'm not going to leave him there alone. I want, I need to go help him. Uh, I'll be there. Think about it. I'll be there for, until like 11 p.m. After 11, we go to, you know, this fucking dive bar, go get some drinks. Like, we can still hang out. I just, I don't want to leave him there alone. Um, and it, again, this is another good exposition uh, of, oh, because his dad is lonely because their mom passed or his mom passed slash, you know, his dad's wife. So it's Which like is part of the reason why his dad's like, yeah, I'll just keep working until yeah, past one o'clock. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. Um, so he goes back to help him. And this detective is or is he a cop? I think he's just a cop. He's like a sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. Sheriff. The sheriff is telling him, look, we need this. There's a little bit of mumbo jumbo here about like why it's important that they need the cause of death so fucking fast uh, for this one or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember. But the, the more important thing was when he was talking about the scene is that he said that there were no signs of forced entry and that it seemed as though the person who was killed was 
killed as they were trying to get out, not as they were trying to get in. Yeah, yeah. It starts this uh, little path and trail of mystery that is really well done in this kind of next sequence of the movie. Um, But a really important part here is also that the uh, sheriff says, I need the cause of death by tonight. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, this this guy's not going to go hang out with his girlfriend (laughs) at all. Right. So much for 11 p.m. Um, But yeah, so they get this Jane Doe and they start to... They start to obviously do this autopsy of what are we doing? Some kind of what are we We're doing? doing? Some kind of autopsy of Jane, <laughs> Jane Doe? Doe or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think immediately too, as they put this body on the table, this body, the the expression, the pale, lifeless, you know, everything about her is already pretty creepy. That especially that you're just stay, you know in this room with uh, in this room with this body that you have no idea what happened. Um, so yeah, I, like. I do agree that like her just general vibe is like really like not like sketchy, but like I guess like haunting in in general. Um, I think the casting of this was really good, even though, again, like I joked about earlier, it's like, you know, all she has to do is sit there. Um, But yeah, I I do think that, you know, they are doing a good job of making the vibe really scary in the beginning. And then, of course, they, you know, as they're doing all the descriptions, you know, skin color, you know, potential age and, you know, the hair color, all that stuff. They go eyes and then they open her eyes and they're he goes gray. And then the guy goes and looks at them and we're like, oh, is she blind? Um, Of course, it's explained a little bit later that like what really the case is, is that. It, the eyes indicate that she's been dead for a, like longer than what they anticipated. But um, yeah, like as soon as they open the eyes, I'm like, okay, this just got 10 times creepier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're very gray, blue, washed over cataract, like soulless. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and her expression, you know, her mouth's a little like open. Um, it, it's just, there's something very haunting about it. Um, yeah, so uh, they they start to go through it, and we're just going to kind of like run down the list of the different things that they find. And as they find, again, this becomes like a murder mystery, right? Because yeah, it's really they're, good. They're yeah. trying to find out the cause of death, and so all the different things that they find are all very strange. You know, they add more pieces to the puzzle, but it adds more to the mystery too. Yeah, and I think that this this is well done as well because the dad uh, seemingly has an explanation, or I've seen this once before for almost all of it. So it keeps you guessing a little bit, right? But I also appreciate, and I just want to say this before we go through the list, like to that point, there are a lot of moments where the dad is like, I've seen this before, or I know this, I recognize this, but I also respect the fact that there are also multiple times where he goes to reference his, his books. So he has like a list of different books that, you know, are on different subjects related to, you know, causes of death and things like that. Yeah. And he goes and references those. So it's not just, an infinite well of, uh, you know, <laughs> knowledge that he's capable of, you know, withholding at all times. It's like, no, there are times where he has to go and reference things. And I loved that they added that. I think that made it like so much better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so here's some of the stuff that they find with the body. So there are no external visible signs of trauma, but somehow her wrist and ankle bones have been shattered. Uh, they open her mouth at a point and her tongue is gone. They say, um, uh, I told David, look at that nice little piece of ribeye right there. And yeah, David's it, like, look at the marbling on that it, sucker. It looks like a cut, like a cut of steak. <laughs> it does. Tongue. Um, so her, her tongue has been uh, crudely cut out and one of her molars is missing. When they do start to cut into the body, uh, some radio frequency happens right as they're about to cut, cut it open. 
Yeah, they they are listening to the radio to like while you know just listening to music in general, and that's a another big part of the horror element. And, and again, something that really reminded me of PT was that they have the radio get interrupted or get changed to a different channel or it plays something like really ominous, you know, or whatever over yeah. the radio, Very and creepy. and it starts to storm as well. Yeah, it starts to storm, and then yeah, the, and in this like radio frequency, you can hear a little bit of like a woman crying a little bit, just as like. Yeah. Ah! like screaming and again very reminiscent of pt and just so well done and creepy and scary and especially the way that the camera just kind of you get the reaction of them looking back slowly you get the re and then you get the shot of just kind of slowly zooming into this uh uh radio and it, it's really well done it's well paced it's 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 exactly good, good so, yeah horror. i mean yeah. with the uh so as like once they get all the external things like uh figured out before they even cut into the body like the first kind of theory that the dad has is about like potential sa you know like a little and because of yeah. um, you know, sex trafficking trends that he had seen in the past revolving around the ankles and, and wrists being tied together, them cutting the tongues out so they can't make noise, things like that. So um, that's kind of one of the things that they find. The other thing that they find on the exterior is they find this really specific type of dirt, um, which is what do they call it again? I can't remember. Do you remember what it was called? Uh, Pete. 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 Yeah. P-E-A-T. And we were like, Pete? What? Pete? Like, we didn't know what that was. And then, like, Taylor's, like, ended up looking it up and explained it to us. But basically, you know, they were saying it's, like, yeah, it's a, you know, type of, like, dirt or soil or whatever that's really, really old. So it's really surprising that it would be all over this person because it's hard to find these days because it's so old. Um, because yeah. we've replaced a lot of our soil across the country with different soil over the years. And they were, like, it's weird that she would have it on her at all. But it's even weirder that she's completely covered in it. It's underneath her fingernails. It's underneath her toenails. It's on her hair. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just continuously more and more like questions. More and questions, like, what's, yeah. What is going on? Um, so eventually they do cut into the body, even though uh, some creepy radio shit happens. They finally cut into the body, and the body starts bleeding immediately. And then I said, I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do that. And uh, the dad is like, that's not supposed to happen. And I was like validated <laughs> right yeah uh and but again he's like well i mean huh this is caused by pressure and this and that i've seen this once before it might be this you know he's just very scientific he's very logical yeah very logical um so yeah the body starts bleeding all over and then they start cutting more into her um they notice that her lungs are completely blackened uh, as though she has suffered from third degree burns and her internal organs reveal numerous cuts and scarring um, this looks really, uh, what's the word? It's like, there's some, you know, like a tripe, uh, is it tripophobia, tripophobia, how people are very scared of like a Pores bunch of tiny holes. holes. Yeah. Like there's some unsettling, I think is the word. There's something unsettling about the image of this to me. There's like scar tissue on her organs. Yeah. It's and it like, it looks so Ugh, Again, just, just the like, gore oh. and the, like the gore, I guess you can call it gore. It's not, it's not related to violence as of yet, but it is like, it's really good. You know, like the organs look really good and it was just, uh, yeah, I, I guess unsettling. And even then it's like at this point, it's like with just the very, very minimal theories that they have, I'm already feeling like really sad too. Like, I'm just like sad for this person. I'm like, man, they've been through a lot. Yes. Yeah. Like, Especially after the mention of like the essay thing. And it's like, I, 
yeah, there's a, a huge part of me that's like, God, Lee, like, yeah. just like this person was tortured. It's very sad. So, because yeah. when they t- are talking about the lungs, they're like, well, it doesn't make sense that she would not be burned, but her lungs will be this burned. You know, and my like initial thought, because, again, I'm also trying to think about it logically at this point. I'm like, well, I think that maybe like it's possible that they could have forced her to inhale something. You know, if they were to like strap something like, you know, some type of gas to her to either knock her out or keep her incapacitated or something like that, it could burn her lungs you know, over yeah. time. And, and it just got to a really severe degree. Now, of course, the dad like later explains like, you know, they wouldn't get this. But he said, I think it's he said at one point you could smoke 30 packs a day or like 10 packs a day for 30 years and you still wouldn't be that bad. Right. It's like he's like, no, this is this can only happen from, you know, dying in a fire or something like that. But yeah. yeah. So, yeah, again, just very interesting. More stuff getting revealed and no answers being found. Um what they do find when they cut into her stomach is what they initially call, is that a flower? Um, and this is a, like you had said, he starts to reference some of the books uh, in his office and he finds the books on these different herbs and such. And they find out that this is something called Jimson weed, which is a paralyzing agent that is not native to the area. And it's uh, again, found in her stomach. Yeah, so that's kind of, again, not like they are trying to find the, you know, cause of death. And and so, like, that's part of it, too, is like, was she killed somewhere else and moved here? Like, that's part of it as well. And that's going to help, like, the later investigation or whatever. And so, yeah, like, they, I think it was, like, worth noting, like, I don't know, you know, where this movie takes place. I I kept forgetting, like, I could not remember. But they said, like, this is from up north. This is from, like, the northeast. Like, you know, you wouldn't find this up here and they kind of said that too about the the dirt on her as well yeah so this is the obviously the first kind of round of these this autopsy stuff is obviously kind of weird and it's not adding up and then we get some creepy we get into some creepy shit um there's some sounds being made in the morgue somewhere and the son goes to investigate uh the son whose name is is (laughs) Is we should really start learning people's names. Austin. Austin. Uh, he goes to investigate, and during this, uh, he there's a scene where he's looking up at the the little corner mirror in the hallway, and he can see a body standing completely still in the hallway. Again, another PT moment. Uh, like, yeah, they have a <laughs> uh, what was it, like a, a concave mirror or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what those are called. The ones that you see in supermarkets and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's made yeah. to be able to see around the corner so you don't run yeah. into people. Like, that's, that's all it is. Right. And so, yeah, they have one of those. And, again, they showed that that mirror early in the movie, and I remember thinking, <laughs> I'm like, that's going to get used for horror, like, whatever. Right. But, yeah, very PT-esque. They see, again, we don't know what body it is, but it's a body just kind of standing there, and then he sees it and turns the corners slowly and, it's gone. It's gone. Um, and then as he goes to investigate, um, you know, he, he goes up and he hears like the noises in the vent and he gets up on a chair and he opens the vent and he's like staring into the vent. And then it's like, ah, it's like no, another cheesy jump scare. Yeah, I think. Where something run past, yeah, runs past frame or whatever. And it's a, uh, it's, it's just the cat is in the, the vent. And so there's, there's a cat that they have. This is actually kind of a sad moment. Cause you know, it is, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's also, there's, if you see an animal in a horror movie, um, another right. trope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We saw the cat earlier, which was actually kind of a funny moment. Cause the cat comes out of the vent 
which again, for, <laughs> like foreshadowing, um, the cat comes out of the vent and he throws a rat on the ground. And me and Dan were just like, hey, you're like, that thing's fake. Like, here's something dead for you. Fuck you. Yeah, do an autopsy on that rat, you piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, hey, yeah. hey uh, no autopsy needed. Yeah, he died of ligma. <laughs> Patient was Sugandis. <laughs> Patient was Sugandis. <laughs> that of Ligma. Um, yeah, so we did get introduced to this cat earlier. The cat is now uh, suffering. You can see it whimpering in this uh, air duct. And Austin pulls the cat out. It is completely fucked up and kind of, you know. It was attacked in like its abdomen section. Yeah, yes. And it's kind of whimpering and just in a lot of pain. The dad eventually catches up and is like, what's going on? And he sees the cat. The dad decides to put the cat out of its misery, snaps its neck like fucking Steven Seagal, and uh, they throw it in the furnace uh, to incinerate Like Steven Seagal. Like Steven Seagal. (laughs) They light that shit up like Steven Steven Seagal. Seagal. (laughs) Um, um, so this is just a little uh, a little bit of break from the autopsy and crime stuff to get into some creepy, you know, yeah, horror and something stuff. that I thought was significant during this portion was that um, the dad is still like kind of like, you know, looking into the body. And as he's reaching into her chest cavity, uh, he cuts his wrist like on a like, you know, jagged piece of her rib cage. I don't know how significant it really was. I think maybe I read into it a little bit more because I remember mentioning it while we were watching the movie. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was like, all right, row, that's not good. <laughs> Never good to give uh, an ominous creature a blood sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's pretty big. So eventually, uh, after this little horror sequence, we get back to the room, um, and they examine the corpse. So we had mentioned earlier that the, the this Jane Doe is missing her molar. They do find that uh, because they are still cutting into the stomach, and they find this uh, piece of cloth all you know scrunched up, and inside of that cloth is that missing tooth. But the cloth itself is uh, seems to reveal a little bit more here. Yeah, the cloth, like, as soon as I saw this cloth, me and Taylor looked at each other and we went, oh, witches. Because on the cloth, it's like a rune. It's like, like, that's what it looks like. It looks like a, like, a ritualistic rune type symbol. And, like, that was, like, our immediate theory, right? And we're like, there's no, like, uh, like that just made this so much more interesting. Like, this is crazy, whatever. But then it's like, but uh, but at the same time, it's like, it was found inside of her, you know what I'm saying? So like, how does how does that affect? Like, what does that mean? And uh, it has like these Roman numerals on it, and like they don't really know what it means. And he like writes it up on the wall, and then like you know it says like you know it's 1660 something or whatever is like the what the Roman numerals were. Yeah, and I feel like you should probably yeah you and Taylor uh, David and his wife are very into. Um, this witchcraft stuff from the Salem trials, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we, we uh, have visited Salem in like during the Halloween season and we've been to a bunch of the museums up there and learned a lot about like the Salem witch trials and stuff. And so like, what's interesting about that whole thing is that, you know, first of all, what you learn is that everyone during the Salem witch trials was actually innocent and there were no witches during that time. It's, it's less a story about witchcraft and, and all that stuff and more of a story about like injustice and more of a story about, um, you know, the dangers of unchecked, you know, justice systems and and uh, unchecked, you know, religious biases and things like that. So, um, you know, that but at the same time, when you go to other museums in Salem, what you kind of learn is how the city went from 
you know, this horrific tragedy of accusing people of witchcraft to embracing the concept of witchcraft and embracing witches and, and kind of becoming the place where people go to, you know, feel comfortable or whatever, you know, practicing in that stuff. And so it's like, you know, it's not that me and Taylor like fully believe in witches and witchcraft and things like that, but it's just, it's a really interesting thing and then how it ties into religion and things like that. And so like, you know, like, yeah, when we saw that, we were just like, yeah, like that's, that was our first, you know, thought. And we also, we love which stories like this, you know, we love movies like this and, and things like that. So yeah, we were, we, we got really excited for that to be a potential villain of the movie, you know, definitely. And as he's, as David is saying this, there's a, a framed little picture of the witch house from 1642 from Salem, Massachusetts behind him. Yep. We um, went to the witch house. It's the oldest, uh, it is the oldest living building in Salem that is completely untouched from the, that was there during the original witch trials and is somewhat related to the witch trials because of, of who owned the house. Um, we also have a, uh, an accurate, uh, map, uh, hanging on our wall of the, of Salem from, you know, the 1600s of what Salem looked like. And it was actually a much bigger town than you would think. So when you go there, you hear about like other cities like Peabody and whatever. And it's like, okay, like those used to be part of Salem. So, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> we, have, and also what is also behind me is a box with runes on it that has uh, tarot cards in it. And so <laughs> it's like, we've got some shit in here. They're very right? into it. They're very yeah. into it guys. Um, so, um, obviously this is starting. Yeah. When we were watching this, together um you guys started getting very excited well this next scene really reinforces that and shit starts to hit the fan so essentially they see these runes on this weird piece of cloth and they're like what the fuck well then they start to cut into the actual external layer of the skin and as they open up the skin and pull it out there are those same runes and uh, symbols and such and writings completely like tattooed onto the inside of this woman's onto skin. Onto the inside of her skin. This is a fantastic reveal. I loved this. This was scary as fuck. Was yeah. it not? It's like, how it, do you make witches scary? This is how you do it. It is yeah. tattooed onto the inside of her, like the underneath layer of her skin. How do you leave? Oh my God. It, yeah. was, it so was so well awesome. Done. And the gore part of it, just so realistic looking. Yeah. Oh my There's God. There's so many, you know, no pun intended, but there's so many layers to this that make it so good. And yeah, this was a great reveal. And now it's like, this shit is, again, the dad is like, this, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. This makes sense. And as this is happening, <laughs> yeah, not only are they getting more freaked out, but the storm is getting louder. The lights are starting to flicker. You know, the, yeah. uh, the radio frequencies are getting more and more like scrambled and messed up and stuff. So it's like, there's yeah, a bunch the, of shit happening. Right. The, uh, yeah, this is all happening. You know, we can't, we obviously can't mention everything that's happening in this movie, but yeah, there's uh, uh, some really good radio stuff. Again, the radio saying the storm, you, I would not want to be caught in this storm. You guys, blah, blah. blah. And then there's a point where it's like, you're not going to get out of here. You're not going to get out. of Like, it's just like really creepy shit. So after they reveal this, uh, the skin big, tag, yeah, skin tag. Um, then the lights just boom burst, and it goes completely fucking dark in this morgue. And you, I love this. This freaked me out. You hear all of the doors. What would you call those? The double doors? No, you all the what, what the bodies are in. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. You you hear the doors of each of these little trays that these dead the bodies. Yeah, the, the, the body cabinets. Yeah, or that they're in in this morgue. You hear them all swing open and all the bodies fall out. Right. Um, onto and, the ground. And it's really fucking creepy because it's like 
the, the, I think the visual and the audio of this scene was one of the scariest parts of the movie because as the uh, uh, as Tommy and Austin, um, <laughs> the, the two characters, Tommy being the father, Austin being the son, because uh, we remember characters' names, are as they're getting up. They have like they find a flashlight and they're like shining it around and they're like looking backwards and forwards and they look back for a moment and you can see all three doors open with the bodies missing. Yeah, just there's no bodies. Yeah. And then they are like, oh, whatever. And they run out. And then this is just like drop the facade, drop the creepy shit. This is 100 percent, you know, paranormal, like fucking yeah. fucked up shit. Yeah. It, it starts to dive completely into yeah the paranormal horror aspect of things. Um you know, it's it, it, the the mystery and kind of murder mystery thing that starts to take a back seat. It's like, let's get into some scary shit. Uh, I'm glad that we're starting to talk about this because now we'll get into some stuff that I did not like about the movie. So obviously shit is hitting the fan. This is no longer like, you know, we got the storm. We got shit that should not be happening, happening. We just found an insane fucking inside the skin tattoo. So they're like, okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Fuck the cause of death. We need to get out of here. They go to the elevator. Elevator's fucked. What? Um, the elevator's not the working elevator's perfectly not, fine in this. Ch- 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 oh, the button's not working. Um, Why the, they even checked the elevator, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then they go up to these big, you know, massive double doors that would lead you out of the base. Which is kind of why I was talking about like the whole thing's underground, seemingly. Right. Yeah. Uh, they cannot force it open because a tree from the storm has fallen onto the doors, so they can't I'm push built it different. open. I would have pushed it. Open. <laughs> I'm built different as well. Me and Dave would have been totally fine. This would have been a very different movie. Believe that. Would have left. <laughs> we just left. Um. So uh, essentially, they are yeah, fucked. Yeah. Cause of death for this woman. Uh, natural causes. <laughs> yeah. Natural causes. Um, <laughs> next. Um, <laughs> So yeah. they, they go to the dad's office to go kind of hide out and figure some shit out. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a bunch of creepy stuff that happens in this scene. But like basically, you know, like the dad gets attacked by a seemingly invisible person. But here's the act, the, the most creepy part of this scene that and, and the most like insignificant to me. There is a moment where they're sitting there and all you hear is the jingle of the bell. Now, if you guys remember when we talked about our top five, bottom five, I talked about the movie The Nun. And I said one of my least favorite things in that movie was the bells because it was like based around this true story, you know, surrounding bells and during whatever. Go listen to the episode. But (laughs) they do a similar thing in this movie. Right. He talks about the bell and and what that means. And in The Nun, the reason why it was so bad is because they just had it like they just overdid it. They had the bells ringing like crazy. And then all of them started ringing. And this one, it's just a jingle. Very faint. Jingle. Very faint. Jingle. And then it just like comes up and gets closer and closer. And the son, like Austin, like he gets down on the ground. He's like looking underneath the door. Boom. And you hear like the footstep and the jingle of the bell. And it's just like, it's done so well. It's like, this is what I was talking about. It's like, oh my God, like I'm so mad that I've waited so long to see this movie. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, that was a moment that I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. The faint jingle definitely works. It's very creepy. Um, Way better done. Way better done. However, this is this is part of what does not work for me. Uh, there's two things in this scene. So first and foremost, since we're on this topic, the fact that you do see the foot come in and it is the dead body walking 
in the hallway. I just didn't like that. It's like, okay, this is a I zombie do agree movie with that. Now. I kind of wish that they had like just left it with the jingle. Yeah. Yeah. Like again, we can only imagine where that's coming from. Oh my God, that's the really disfigured fucking body. Like it's just so creepy in your head. But when you see the foot, the little CGI foot, you know, hit the ground and I'm just like, ugh, this is like a zombie movie now. I don't like that. Um, so I didn't like that they did that, that they like animated these dead, you know, bodies. Um, to this degree, at least, you know, it just create. I like the idea of like, oh, maybe these things are fucking awake because you can hear them, you know, jingling. But again, it's just imagination. Also, one of my biggest fucking I've talked about this many times on the podcast. They fucking do it in this movie. There's like some little uh, the dad is investigating some like injury. He gets his little cut, you know, with um, that he got when he was doing the autopsy. And there's like movement in the shower curtain in the bathroom of this uh, office. And the the son looks over and sees this kind of shadowy figure in the in the shower curtain and he's like dad wait and he's like what and nothing happens and then boom and he just gets uh pulled to the ground pulled to the ground by an invisible fucking person yeah Uh, fucking bad paranormal activity shit i'd hate that shit so much yeah um just show the zombies i'll take zombies over over invisible invisible me too so it's just bad. I don't know. Uh, two things I just didn't agree with uh, in terms of what they did here. Um, but uh, the the stuff that did work, like the bell, the faint bell did work. There's also a point where they kind of blockade the door. And when all this shit goes down, you hear that door get bursted open and shit fall. And they look. And now the door is just eh, swinging open. Yeah, that worked really that's well. That's creepy. Like, that, that's again, good. that's some PT type of stuff where it's like, oh, I, I just turned away. I turned back. And, and things different. are yeah, things yep. are not the way that, that I wanted Boom. them to be. Because, again, it's the mystery. It's what you're imagining in your head is creepier. It's like, is there something in the room now? Is there something waiting for me right outside? Like, the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you nailed that. It's like, that's what makes that shit scary. There's something very unnerving about... Yeah, like you said, you turn your head one way, you turn your head back the other way, and something's different. That is that is just creepy in itself. So because shit is going haywire uh, and they're no longer safe in this space, they go back to the autopsy room uh, to do more examining. Some more paranormal shit is happening. This is getting worse. The, the rain's getting heavier uh, in the storm outside. Shit is just going absolutely crazy. And while they're in this autopsy room, the door closes by itself and locks itself and so now they're locked in here. It's, again, this is officially paranormal. And the son grabs an emergency axe off the wall and starts hacking the door down, fucking shining style, so that they can get out of there. And now he has created this little hole in the door, which immediately he goes to look through. And you and Taylor are like, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously don't. Don't do obviously this. Obviously don't do this. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's a little like cheesy, you know, it's, it's played out. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, they still did it really well. You know, again, very PTS where PT makes you like look into the holes of shit. Like, yeah, he does that. The lights start to flicker. I think that the pacing of this scene is why it worked for me. I know you didn't like you said you didn't really like the zombie thing, but I liked that they like what they the jump scare that ends up happening is the woman with this torn uh, mouth and eyes. And if they had just shown her face, boom, jump scare, I would have been like, all right kind of lame you know but hey at least the suspension was really good the pacing was good but because they cut back to it and they show her like ripping her mouth open and shit i was like oh i like that a lot more 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really like this, this one. Uh, it, I think the, what really turned me off from it was it looked really computer animated. Like it just looked, it didn't look very natural to me. Um, oh, I thought it looked very latexy. It, it could have been, I'm not saying that it was CGI. What I'm saying is like, it looked really just animated to me. I don't know. It didn't look as creepy as the, the body looked when it was laying in the, you know, fucking when it was laying on the serving tray. <laughs> so essentially they are like, okay, this is very obvious that what this fucking body is, has something to do with everything going wrong because until, it, you know, everything was normal until this, this shit got brought in here. So they decide, okay, we're going to go throw this body into the fucking furnace, the, where they threw the cat earlier and set this shit ablaze, but they can't get access to it because of the door getting fucked so they're like you know what fuck it we're gonna set the body on fire in here so they douse this bitch in gasoline they throw all, all the mat <laughs> didn't they throw all the matches i remember you saying like, yeah he <laughs> <laughs> they pour all the like kerosene on the body and then he lights a match and then okay i don't know how matchbooks are supposed to work but he just lights one match and then lights the entire matchbook on fire and then throws it on them and i'm like didn't you just pour kerosene all over this body couldn't you wouldn't one match do the trick <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, you're like wasting resources, man. Yeah, I'm like, what um, if you have to do this twice? Right. So they set the body Spoiler on fire, <laughs> and the fire starts to go ablaze, and it sets the whole room on fire. And, but okay, can I just say uh-huh. during this scene, they are uh, like surprisingly nonchalant about the entire room setting on fire. They are. Also, this is really bad CGI. Yeah, the CGI is like horrible. Um, but I get why it has to be. Me it too. It looks un- like unrealistic fire because it is not real fire. <laughs> yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, so the whole room gets set to blaze, but the body is clearly not burning at all. Um, eventually, they get an ex- extinguisher. They start, you know, putting the fire completely out. And the the body is completely intact. Nothing is Nothing looks different at all. Um, so they are like, well, fuck. <laughs> um, this shit is crazy. They set fire to, to the, the corpse. corpse. And the only thing that burns is their camera that's been recording everything that's been yeah, happening. Yeah, isn't that convenient? No footage, motherfucker. Um, yeah, so uh, clearly something is wrong. The body has not changed at all from the fire. So they're like, oh, shit. And then they hear the fucking elevator ding and start to work. And they hear the machinery. It's like, oh, shit, the elevator's good. We got to make a run for it. Um, so and they, I'm like, you stupid motherfuckers. <laughs> you stupid <laughs> you motherfuckers. You really think that this big freaking bitch is going to let you leave? You stupid dummies. Come on. So they... Easiest trap I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> they make a run for the elevator. And to David's uh, character's point there, um, it immediately closes right when they get to it. And now they're... And it's not working anymore. It's not what working. the fuck? I've oh. hit the button six times. It's not freaking working. I don't understand what's happening. It was working five seconds ago. The only elevator... Better worse than this one is the one at work. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> with me. Any of our coworkers that listen to this, you would understand. Those elevators fucking suck. So <laughs> now they're completely defenseless. Uh, I mean, other than the axe that they have, they're defenseless in this hallway. Um, and now you start to hear that bell again. And sure enough, you see the figure of that shotgun uh, massacre man walking down the hallway. What I did like about this is that as he approaches from the end of the hallway, you can only see his silhouette. And each time he kind of gets closer, the lights above him go out. 
So they keep getting dark. The hallway keeps getting darker and you cannot see him and you don't know when he's getting close because it yeah, just keeps taking Yeah, and, and it kind of feels like like they're trying to intentionally like not show all of the prosthetics on the face. And I can't tell if it was a decision made because that just makes it creepier or and, and sometimes, you know, they will do this on purpose. Like, I do think that the reason why they would do this is partially because there is some CGI in this scene, like for sure. Um, and when you make scenes darker, you make things harder to see. It makes, you know, like the CGI elements are easier to mask like mistakes and things like that. Like that's why, like at the end of Bo is Afraid, like I said that my theory was that the whole audience, like at the end of that movie was like CGI. And that's why it's so dark and like whatever, because it's easy to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just like I, that's kind of feels like that's the vibe of this, but it does help with the horror elements of this. Now, I do kind of wish they hadn't shown his face. You know, Same. like and, and I think that, again, just because of what we said at the beginning, like I think what we were picturing in our heads was scarier. I think just having the sheet on his head is even scarier because like me too. my my you know favorite scene in, in like almost all of like horror, like top five favorite scenes, of all of horror is the scene in Insidious. Uh, chapter two, when they go into like that chapel and there's all those dead bodies with the sheets over them. Like, that's just so fucking creepy to me. And I think, again, it's just it, it plays with your imagination. It plays with like your senses. You know what I'm saying? Like you like because you can't see it's like you can kind of like picture what they smell like. You can kind of picture like what this guy is like would feel like you like it's just like those types of things that just like make it way creepier. So I, you know, I, again, I, I just didn't agree with the decision to show his full face or anything like that. I think if they would have done like maybe a figure and had the bell still going or if they kept the sheet on him, it would have been even better. Like, I, I, I again, I don't mind him being there and being animated. I just mind them actually showing the face. I agree. And especially because what I did imagine underneath the sheet was way worse than what they oh, yeah. showed. Um, it was legitimately just a hole in the face. There and was it, was no, in, it wasn't even a hole in his face. It was just a hole where his mouth is. Yeah, it was really dumb. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not where the hole was in the, you know, the thing. Or, yeah, yeah so know. it just, it, yeah, it didn't work. Um, but eventually they they pry the elevator doors open. They get into the elevator and they're like, all right, we're going to wait for this motherfucker to get near us and then we're going to strike. So that happens. It gets near. They, boom, they just throw the axe out and chop chop the body. And then wouldn't you fucking know it? They didn't actually axe down this fucking shotgun victim. Who did they axe down, David? They axed down the girlfriend who the came girlfriend. back and she somehow very easily and unsuspectingly gets into the building and nothing weird is happening to her. <laughs> and she's just uh, she was the dead body. Th Dude, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. This this sets the, the, up. This is the one of the worst decisions in the movie. Yeah. Personally. I was about to say this is this is the worst whole sequence of the movie for me personally. Um, a lot of stuff that they were doing right. They now start to do wrong. Um, uh, so, and it starts here. So yeah. Oh my God. Dad accidentally killed. So for, actually it starts with showing to showing too much. Yeah. With, with the guy and then the killing of the dog. True. Yeah. So or yeah, the, dad, dad has killed girlfriend. the girlfriend in an accident. Oh shit. Well, we need to get back into this elevator. They get back into the elevator and now you get, remember how we used to have this really good exposition. Um, and this like vague kind of thing about uh -huh. the mom passing and how the dad is feeling about it. Well, this is the bat over the head scene. Yeah, this that goes out of the window. Now we are getting completely <laughs> horrible exposition. Uh, also some bad dialogue as well. <laughs> like there he <laughs> the dad says, 
you know, uh, used to call your mom Ray. And my immediate thought was like, what, Ray of Sunshine or some dumb shit? And he goes, Ray of Sunshine. And I was like, Ugh. first draft, first now, draft, they first kinda, draft. Here's where they kind of like make amends for it. He says, she always thought that was corny as shit. And I'm like, it's almost like them calling that dialogue corny as shit. It's like, uh, we didn't, we couldn't come up with anything else. But again, you don't even need it. They just start talking about mom and this, and then, then they and start. Then, and again, uh, th- th- like, this is even bad too, because at the beginning he goes, you know, like she was a ray of sunshine. I didn't know that she was dealing with all of that. And in my house, like she killed herself. Yeah. And then he's like, how was I supposed to know she was fighting these demons? And I was like, because she killed herself. <laughs> right. And he's like, and then she was so, you know, she was always happy, outgoing. And, and on the outside, she was fine. On the inside, <laughs> she was dealing with all those things. And I said, right, because she killed herself. And it's like, you know what? I was sad, but now I didn't need you to get to the fucking point. Yeah. And then eventually, like, when she took her own life, I was like, oh, uh, there it fucking is. Like, horrible, Jesus Christ. Horrible dialogue, horrible exposition. Uh, like, cut this scene. Like, if you cut the scene in this movie, is like, 122 instead i'm fine right it's just it's, none of this works man this is the worst scene in the movie to me um so yeah it's just a bunch of bullshit a bunch of uh, now they're diving too much into character and uh uh eventually this is all this dumb bullshit it ends with essentially them kind of uh thinking about what's going on and saying you know when we first were cutting into her body the it was trying to stop us remember the radio was going fucking crazy all this stuff it was trying to stop us. Obviously, this body is hiding something. We need to figure out what the fuck it's hiding. So they're like, fuck it. We're going to go back. Uh, we we're can't the best in. corners in the business. <laughs> if we can't figure it out, no it, one can. It's in the way that you use it. <laughs> um, so they go back to the room to go investigate the body. They decide, let's cut into this bitch's head because, you know, that's one of the areas we have not searched yet. They cut open the skull. I like this Very as well. Saw-esque. Yes. Yeah. Reminding the saw surgery from Saw 3. They open up the skull. They get a piece of the brain. They examine it in the, uh, you know, this is the moment where, this is one of those moments where he, he looks at the, the sample of the brain uh, uh, through the microscope and he's like, what? What are you seeing? And this is one of those. You, you gotta come take a look at this moment, yeah. you know? And it's funny because it's like, it's really cheesy and I hate it when they do this because literally, what did I say as soon as they did that? I go, oh, the brain is still active. The brain is active. They have an active brain. And it's just like the scene before, you know, it's like, I'm like, I already know what's going to happen. Yeah. I know that what you did is you saw the brain, you saw that the brain is still active and still working, whatever. And then, but I just told Dan, I said, it would be so funny if he just goes and he looks at it and just says, these nuts. He's like, ah, <laughs> oh, no, for real, here's the brain. <laughs> it's still working. Um, and the brain is still active too. But, yeah. Um, but did you see the decent <laughs> Did you see the decent? I got your bitch ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, this was kind of a, a again, like cheesy, tropey scene. Um, but yeah, they figure out that the brain is still active. Uh, and so now they're just figuring out why, what is happening? Why is this person, why us? Why, you know, like what is. And the dad is like, the, that's why we couldn't find a cause of death. Because they're not dead. They're still alive. And the son is like, uh, we kind of ripped her fucking heart out of her chest. <laughs> Set her on fire. Set her on fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one, Daddy. He's like, well, the brain's alive. Right. And so it's like, she's been feeling everything we've been doing to her. Like, you know, yada, yada. So if it, what this is setting up is they are now figuring out what what's the lore, what's the myth behind what's happening. And they do that by 
cross-referencing these runes and the cloth again. They start to, you know, fold it a certain way. Yeah, I think this was interesting because, like, and and I kind of called this, too, like, when they start folding the, it's like, the little sack that her tooth was in is, like, you know, when they unfold it, it's what the runes were on. And it's the same runes that are inside of the inner side of her skin. And so he folds it into the same way that her skin would have been folded so that they you know resemble each other. Right. Um, and then when he looks at it that way, he's able to see, you know, words that make up a Bible verse. And then Leviticus 2027. 20, yeah, this is this is a big reveal. I think that uh, you y'all had already figured it out at this point, so it didn't hit as hard. But I think that the way that they do reveal this is pretty fucking cool. Right? Yeah. If you're someone who didn't figure it out at this point, I could see it being cool. Basically, the Bible verse just calls this person a witch. Yeah. And they also see that it's from the 1600s, 1660. Now, now, I have to say this. This is this is a huge point for me in the movie. Okay. Huge point. So you remember what I was saying earlier about Salem, right? As soon as he's like, wait, you said that flower is from the Northeast? And uh, this by this uh, thing was from 1668. And, you know, and, and, and uh, you're saying that this is a witch. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, the Salem. And I was like, I was getting so mad because I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. That's <laughs> not what happened. And then the dad comes in and says, yeah, but there were no witches in Salem. It was just a bunch of innocent kids who were falsely accused and and, and killed for no reason. I was like, let's go. I was like, yes, the dad fucking knows his shit. I was like, bro, like. Fucking, this was so good. I was like, dude, I said, that that saved this movie for me. Like, if they had kept going down that path without doing that, I would have dropped this movie so many points, Daniel. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, I, with the fact that they acknowledge that, I'm like, dude, let's fucking go. Like, I was so happy about that because then what they were able to do with the actual decision for this villain character was better than than that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh my God. I was like, thank God they did that, bro. Yeah, so essentially what what is happening here, this gets revealed to be a, a witch, and they're like, but, you know, there were no witches. What has happened is that the authorities in Salem at that time, right, are are accusing this person of being a witch. And so to get rid of that, to essentially, right, like exercise yeah. th- uh, them, they do very ritualistic things uh, to to get rid of the witch from the body. Yeah. So it's like it's like this ironic thing that's like in, in I think they say in the movie, like in trying to, you know, get rid of this thing, they created what they were seeking to destroy. Yeah. They take a rune and they write Bible verses on it and they take her tooth out and put it in a sack of this rune and make her swallow it. They they tattoo these runes and Bible verses onto the inside of her skin. They, you know, force her to, to, to take these poisoning agents and they torture her. It's like all of these different things that like they were doing to stop her from being a witch ended up becoming like ritualistic components into giving her you know, witchcraft powers essentially. And so it's like, this person didn't want this at all. Like that's kind of what you realize. And what the dad realizes too, is it's like this person's been through an immense amount of pain and and suffering and they did not even want this. This wasn't like a volunteer, you know, this was a, you know, something forced upon her. Yeah. And so now this, this, uh, Jane Doe is, is, immortal essentially right and and uh, is a witch now and can feel all of the pain that is happening to their body um and the dad starts to realize this and he starts to figure out what can we do to get rid of this 
And he's, his decision is, what if I offer myself as a sacrifice, um, transfer all of your pain and everything to me? And, uh, you know, he leans in and he's talking to the, to this witch and he's saying, um, whatever you do, just spare him, spare my son, just, you know, whatever offers himself up as a sacrifice, um, to get rid of the witch. Yeah. Um, and then he, you get the, ah, yeah. exactly. starts to happen. His wrists snap, his ankles snap, and then hers start to heal. Um, so you see that transfer happening. Yeah. And at this point they, they haven't like sewed the body back up, but they've like layered her skin back on top of her. So like, as he's like starting to experience, and again, it's just all the different things. He gets paralyzed. He, his lungs like start to ex- exhale smoke and, um, you know, all these different things. And, um, you know, her, her body starts to heal up and even up to the point to where her eyes become unglazed and, you know, they just become her normal green eyes again. And, um, yeah, like during this whole time, the sun is like, what's happening? Like, no, like this, but what, you know, and it, like when the sun reacts to his girlfriend being dead, I was like, oh, that's part of what made this not good is like, I, I didn't mind his performance at all until I had to watch him grieve poorly. <laughs> you know yeah, saying? well, yeah, that was the the him grieving over the girlfriend was such an awkward and like, yeah, he's like, oh, no, 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 not this. Come on. Come on. No, no. This no, please. Sucks. Please, no. I can't. But no, not my girlfriend. <laughs> it was bad. It was just like, it didn't. It, I hate that he was put in the position to even have to do that. Exactly. It was he, so bad. It, it should have been, yeah, it should not have been part of the movie, but it's just like, we've been spoiled by Hereditary in Midsummer by seeing actual fucking grieving. Yes. Um, Snow on the Bluff, too. Snow like, on the Bluff. Yeah. I, I, I think that. Yeah, uh, here's how you fix this. Don't have that scene. Yeah, uh, exactly. Make him. Otherwise, make, he's a, he's fine. Yeah, like there's make nothing. him uh, make him be in shock even instead of being weeping, which weeping. is what they show later too. By uh, the way. Uh, what do you mean? Like, okay, so this is what happens. He, like, the dad is like, oh, you know, he's pointing towards the scalpel. Oh yeah, he's the like, son grabs the misery. scalpel, yeah. stabs him in the chest, whatever, and everything starts to go back to normal. The girl's body starts to heal itself. The, you know, you know, radio goes back to normal. Storm goes the away. The storm goes away. And the sun is like starting to like walk, at, walk out. And as he's walking out, he is n- now he's in shock and he just sees yeah, his dead girlfriend yeah. on the floor and he just steps over her. Right. And now he's just like, you know, motionless, expressionless, just making a beeline to go walk out of the you know building. Yeah, because the sheriff is now there to to save them. He's telling them, "Open the door! Hey, come here, come here!" You know, and he's uh, goes to the to the doors that he couldn't open earlier. He's just pushing them, and he's like, "Come on, like open them!" He's like, "I can't, like whatever." And then the sheriff starts to get mad at him. He's like, "Open the fucking door!" Yeah, and then the sheriff starts singing the song from the radio. Um, yeah. And this guy, this was pretty creepy. Yeah, it's like, open up your heart, you know, and let in the sunshine, whatever it is. So he starts singing that. This was a cre- uh, uh, effectively creepy, and it's like, oh, fuck, this motherfucker's not out of shit. Um, and then he hears the bell again, uh-huh. goes to look over the balcony, like over the banister, and doesn't see anything, turns back around, sees his dead dad with the glossy eyes, and does he say something to him? I can't remember. I don't think he does. Yeah, he just sees him and he goes, <gasps> and he falls backwards, breaks over the banister, falls to the ground, dead. Boom. And then, you know, we actually get uh, the real scene of, of after 
and uh, everything does go back to normal. Um, the sheriff comes. He sees the scene of what's going on. And also, like, this is like kind of a, like a throwaway thing, but they have like the guy on the radio. He's like, he's like, man, we're we're having some great weather this week. This is our fifth clear day in a row. Yeah, like fifth day of sunshine in a row. It's like, oh, so it never was storming and yada yada yada. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- this ending. I, so we had some guesses of what was gonna happen as he was talking. So they they see the Jane Doe on the table. Uh, they see what has happened, this crime scene, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to kind of like d- do some detective work. Right. And they're like, I think this and that. And the sheriff was like, look, man, I've known this family for 20 years, like no way. And he's looking down, they're not showing the body and he's looking down at the table and he's like, they're like, what do you want to do with what her? What do you want to do with her? And he's like, get this out of my County, take it to so-and-so get it the fuck out of here. And I thought that it was going the camera was going to tilt down and it was going to be the body of the girlfriend. Right. Or at least someone different. Someone I, else. Yeah, I thought I did not think it was going to be the Jane Doe. I really, they were really like the way they were doing the camera right? angles and stuff. They were really making it seem like that was what was yeah. going to happen. I think the only thing that was like a quote unquote reveal was that she, her eyes were glazed over again, but her body was not, um, you know, carved into it all. Yeah. Like that's the only like real thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was just like, man, I kind of wish they would have. I kind of wish they would have like added more to that lore aspect of it. Um, instead, yeah. they kind of do something like way worse, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I think the movie could have ended right there. And then we get a scene of a guy and driving, you know, the the car where, you know, the dead body is in the back. You know, Jane Doe's in the back. And, um, you know, you can hear the radio. The radio starts to fuck up again <laughs> and starts to play the creepy song again. And again, I'm like. Okay, here's where you could end the movie. You zoom zoom into the radio (laughs) as it plays the song again and then cut. No, No, they all they cut to the body in the back. She has a bell tied to her toe. They zoom in on her toe, very uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino esque, and (laughs) (laughs) and they. You see the toe move, the end. Really cheesy, bad ending. I wish I, I didn't like it partially because. I don't think she should have ever moved. I think her not moving is one of the best things about the movie. Also true. Everyone else does. And she doesn't Yeah, like that's fucking crazy. Agree. And, but like, here's the other thing. I loved that they killed the son in this movie. And let me tell you why. First of all, you mean, Hey, if you've been listening to the show, we always want everyone to die. (laughs) We think (laughs) the bad guys should always win in horror movies, but mostly for me in this movie, it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know who I fucking trust? This witch. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, she's been killing people since 16, potentially 1645 since the Salem witch trials. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, really? You're really going to sit here and say, like, that, you know, whatever? It's like, come on. Yeah, I, 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 they did too much here. Um, I, I do like that, like you said, I like that uh, everyone gets their fate here because, yeah, how do you make it out of that shit? Fuck that. So, yeah, so I like that everyone dies. Everyone who's in that morgue dies. Um, uh, yeah, there, again, there's just some stuff that works. There's some stuff that doesn't. And um, But it's all, I think, as a whole, as the, and I am a whole, I think as a whole, the movie does so much right, especially in the context of horror, that, uh, yeah, some stuff you just kind of have to forgive. And um, right. I can definitely see myself uh, going back to this one around, you know, uh, Halloween season. So, oh, yeah, I, I definitely want Danielle to see this one. Yeah, I think um, Danielle would like this one. Yeah. I, I do want to ask you something. 
and this is just something I'm wondering. This is just something I've organically thought of. What is your favorite part of the movie? And what is your least favorite part of the movie? Oh, really put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, you know, if I had to pick. You do. If I had to. You do. I would say <laughs> that my favorite part of this movie, you know, it's hard for me to not say, just because I'm such a fanboy, it's hard for me to not say the dad acknowledging in a witch movie that the Salem <laughs> witch trials were not about actually killing witches. That I thought was so incredible for me. Um, from a horror element, I think the bell was my favorite part that they did that. Well, I was like, it's like, yeah. feels like I got redeemed for what I said about the nun, you know, like I got to get what I wanted. Um, my least favorite part of this movie. I mean, I definitely want to just say like the girlfriend in general, like her whole character and that whole part of that exposition. I just don't think it was needed. I think there's enough to be grieving about and there's enough, you know what I'm saying? Like the only purpose of her character and like how she relates to the, the boyfriend or the, the kid or whatever, Austin is like, is the whole, like I said, like, I was two weeks from retirement and bullshit before he dies. Yeah. You know? And so like, but again, you can show that a lot of different ways. You can see, you could, you could have him, you know, accepting a letter from, you know, fucking a school that he got accepted into a school that's not there. You know, so, you know, it, it, there's lots of different ways that you could have showed that he wasn't going to stay with the family business. I will say that my favorite part of the movie, uh, she is kind of necessary. Because I was going to ask you about that. I was going <laughs> to ask what your favorite part of the movie was um, and what your least favorite part of the movie was. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the movie is uh, early on when they are um, examining the bodies that she, you know, she's like, I want to see a body. And they... Because you get a lot of the cool, unsettling, creepy body horror stuff while also getting good dialogue and uh, good messages in the movie. So I, I like that scene. I thought it really set the tone and uh, I really liked it. And I like that it happened so early on. The movie is paced very well. Yeah. Um, my least favorite part of the movie is that entire elevator sequence. Um, everything went out the window. They start doing everything wrong that they were doing right. Uh, that was definitely my least favorite part of the movie. Um, but uh, what do you think overall? What, what would you rate it? Overall, I was really, really high on this movie. Um, I think that as a movie in general, I would probably give it a 7 out of 10. Like, that's how high I am on it. Um, as a horror movie, I think I would actually be willing to go up to an 8 and probably closer to a 9 than a 7. Gotcha. Um yeah, I'm a little lower on it, but still pretty high, especially for a horror movie. Um, but yeah, I think that I would probably give this a six out of ten, um, both you know horror and um, and movie. I don't you know I don't separate those too much in my head, but I definitely understand why you should. Um, but yeah, um, I'm feeling like probably like a six out of ten. All right, um, it was a good recommendation. It was a good recommendation, and I also recommend it to you guys. Uh, definitely check it out. Also, not a huge time commitment. So, True. Uh, you, you can knock you, this one out quick. And if you hated it, oh well, you've only wasted 80 minutes of your life. Facts. Um, so now we're going to go into the second part of this pod where we're going to go online. We're going to see what other people thought about this movie. And again, when you go to, uh, you know, we do these fan submissions, it's, it can be more exciting because these movies are older. And so, yeah, I mean, we, there's probably a lot more discussion about them over the years. Um, so yeah, we will be right back. Hi, and welcome back to part two of the pod. 
We in the after party, baby. Can they come in? Yeah, and come in. Here's the thing about the trivia for this movie. About 99% of it is just about the actress who plays Jane Doe. Um, it's like, it's just about how she's a yogi and how she was the first person interviewed for the movie and how the director said she was the most integral part of the entire movie and how she's the only dead person who is a practical person. <sighs> The actress who plays Jane Doe is a very important part of this movie. Now, here's the something that I actually did find kind of interesting. Um, well, the first thing I want to mention is that they they were just like kind of like talking about the different aspects of the movie that are tropes or, you know, uh, related to other movies. Um, so obviously you have when he hacks the door and then it creates a hole in it um, and he looks through it. It's very similar. It's like a, an homage to the shining. Um, and then they also have the, the shadowy figure in the shower curtain at being an homage to psycho. Um, and it's interesting, you know, that coupled with the fact that this director, this is his first horror movie. And it's also his first English movie. And I will be calling him this director because <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, but one of the cool things that, uh, you know, they were saying is that he went to go see uh, The Conjuring in 2013 and he was like, oh, I want to do a horror movie now. So he went and he called his agent and he was like, hey, I want to do a horror movie. Let's find a script. And then, like, you know, a couple of months later, they gave him the script for this movie. Um, and he's like, all right, let's run with it. And I kind of like that because it's like. I think that he's Norwegian, uh, just like by the na his name, I guess he's Norwegian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not reading that. Uh, I'm <laughs> guessing just because I know a lot of shit about mm -hmm. shit. Um, but anyways, no, I, I think that, you know, hey, sometimes when you when you, you know, look at different styles of doing things from different countries, like it can be beneficial with what you're doing. And that's part of what I think for this movie, like when we talk about the length. You know, hey, not a lot of wasted time. I mean, that, you know, that's something that we actually do find um, in a lot of uh, hor uh, foreign movies. So um, that was uh, you know kind of interesting. I, I was like, that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time, The Conjuring. So it was kind of cool to see that this guy was like inspired by that movie to then go and make this movie that's like been praised by, you know, Stephen King. It was, you know, it was on the list like, uh, you know, Shudder has this documentary series about the top 100 scariest movies in, in horror movie history. And they have all kinds of like really, you know, famous horror directors and writers and, and people who have been in the industry for, you know, years um, talk about these moments. And so um, for this movie to be on that list, I think is actually like really high praise. Um, the part of the movie that was in there was actually the, one of the things that we said we didn't like, which was the uh, the guy with the hole in his face walking down the hallway. But yeah, the last thing that I want to say is uh, the director had two you know favorite parts of this movie. The one was the scene that he said he liked filming the most and the other was that he was the most proud of. Um, so the one that's funny is he says the one he liked filming the most was the elevator scene, which was Daniel's least favorite part of the movie. Uh, <laughs> of course it was your favorite part because it was fucking, you didn't have to do anything. Yeah. He said he literally, he said it was his favorite scene to film because he just had to set a camera up in the corner and watch an amazing performance. Okay. All right. Sure. I, guess, I mean, yeah, they didn't, they didn't do bad in the scene, but the lines that they were performing well sucked. Yeah. It the writing is it just so bad. It doesn't matter how well you do it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that is uh, his, his favorite part is what I would have put in that documentary series is actually the skin unfolding scene. I think that was not only one of the most like jarring moments of the movie, but also like just from a plot progression standpoint, 
one of the most visually interesting parts. It was just awesome. So um, I'm, I'm glad to see, like hear that he said that was his proudest uh, part of the movie. And that's all I had. Daniel, what did you have for us? I'll tell you what I've got. A lot of these. Uh, I'll com- tell you what I got. What I really, really got. Yeah, tell, tell me what, what you got. What you really, really got. I got a hot. 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 I got a hairball. You see that? Look at that. Oh, it tastes good. Um, hey, uh, retweet if uh, if you also uh, can think of that song as the song from Chicken Little. Um, I want to see. I want to see which people are in my generation when they when they hear the that Spice Girl song. Do you also think that's the song from Chicken Little? <laughs> a lot of the comments uh, on Reddit for this movie are from around the time it came out. Um, so it's kind of interesting to read. Uh, I'll read this first one. It just says, This would have been a contender for a fantastic horror movie if they hadn't pandered to the audience for the final third of the movie and then tacked on a ridiculous ending. Is skewing all am- ambiguity. Why does this guy talk like he's fucking Shakespeare? God damn it. Eschewing all ambiguity. Eschewing all ambiguity utterly killed the sense of atmosphere, suspense, and terror. It completely undermined anything that was scary in the film. It's really a tragedy. Speaking of Shakespeare, um, a lot of people, I was kind of skimming through a bunch of different comment threads for this movie. People fucking hate the third act of this movie. Like they say, yeah, this movie was good for one half of the movie, and the second half of the movie sucks dick. Um, okay, well, if that's the argument, I get what they're saying to a certain degree. I mean, yeah, that is when we said the movie started kind of dropping off a little bit. But uh, how do you how do you end this movie if not going the route that they did? You loved the first two acts. All right. What what is your pitch for the third act? That That's what I want to hear. Don't say I wish they wouldn't have done this. Like you and I are like. Like, listen, we, we do shit on movies a lot, but I do think that one of the things that you and I do really well or do a lot is, man, it would have been cool if they had done this instead. Yeah. And so I can't stand like and I'm not saying that their you know points are invalid. I'm just saying I can't stand as someone who's like fucking just sits there and goes, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. OK, well, then what the fuck should they have done? Because I agree the first two acts of this movie are really good. And I do agree the third act needed some help. And I can tell you what things I would take out and what things I would do differently. But if you can't do that part, then shut the fuck up. I see what you're saying. There's there's not much that adds to a conversation if you say this sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, which we everyone kind of falls victim to at some point with whatever art that they're reviewing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, that's what we're challenging ourselves to do on this pod is to really discuss and figure out what's what's going on, what should have went on, what what did we not like? Because sometimes we don't see eye to eye on that. Sometimes we, you know, yeah. sometimes I like something that you didn't like and vice versa. And then sometimes you I would have done this and you're like, mm, I would have done this. You know, yeah, that's, that's what's and, fun and it about can be really speaking fun. about movies. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you don't do that part of it, it's just not fun anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just being defensive, but that's just like, yeah, I, I can't stand that. And no one likes an e- echo chamber. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and not just that, but it's like, you know, like when we are like that, like when we do movies like 65, you know what we say? We say, don't do any of it. Don't do <laughs> any of this. Movie. Yeah, there's plenty of there's movies nothing, that should not be greenlit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, I'm not saying every movie's fixable and you're not allowed to complain about a movie unless you have a repair. But sometimes the movie is bad enough that it just <laughs> shouldn't have been made. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting that that seemed to be a pretty wide consensus is that, you know, the the third act is horrible or whatever. I don't know. Um, I think they're being harsh. I think you get some really cool stuff in in the the bad sequences. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Whatever. 
Um, someone said, I turned this on one night expecting a really good slow burn psychological thriller crime film and I was not prepared for what happened, but I really enjoyed it. And I think that that's true as well. I, th- I think it is bold that this tackles so many different genres and areas of filmmaking and storytelling because um, it does go, it goes there, you know what I'm saying? And so you, it, it doesn't stick to one uh, narrative or genre. And I like that about it. Um, someone said they really creeped me out with the regular overhead shots of her gaping face. And I, I was, I'm glad that someone said that because there's so many moments in this movie where they just cut to a close up of the face and yeah. it is so unsettling every fucking time. It is, it, it really worked yeah, for it, me. I know that's why it's like, I, I said it was like kind of silly for me to say this, but I did feel like the casting of the girl was really well done. I think her like, yeah, like, I don't know. Her face was creepy, you know, and, and. Not in like a bad way, you know, she's not like an, I guess like a traditionally unattractive person or anything like that. But like, like there's just something creepy about the, the, uh, the, the setting and the composition of those shots. Um, and then lastly, someone said the tattoo under the skin really creeped me out. When it comes to horror, I prefer to be creeped out than scared. The autopsy of Jane Doe did a great dr- job of being creepy. And I like that comment because I'm the same way. I like to feel creeped out. I don't, I'm not a jump scare is like, ah, oh, you, oh, you scared me. Creeped out is something that will last for days for me where yeah. I'm like, oh my God. When you so- see the, the concave mirror scene, it's like, okay, well now I'm scared for any, uh, like fork in a hallway. You know what I'm saying? Like, like every time a hallway turns into a left or right from now on, I'm going to be scared about what's around the corner. Like uh, exactly to your point. And I think that's like. A lot of the things that we said we didn't like about this movie was like going away from creepy and going towards scary. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely get where they're coming from with that. Yeah. So that is the autopsy of Jane Doe. Again, um, thank you, Mitchell, so much for yeah, recommending Mitchell, this. Good submission. Um, we love to do these. These are actually like, like these two, uh, the two fan, fan submissions that we have done yeah. have been two of the most fun episodes for us to do. So also, we, if you can't tell, we try to avoid saying fan. We try to say listener because we don't want to sound like we're famous or anything. <laughs> we don't actually have fans and we actually don't really have listeners either, but thank you to all of our friends. And, uh, <laughs> right. Um, but no, for real, thank you guys for submitting in. And we definitely want to do more of these, but we also need more suggestions. Okay. Or yeah. otherwise we're going to just run through do, Mitchell's hey, list. Exactly. Pull a Mitchell and submit a whole bunch of movies at us so that we can have some more submissions to pick from because yeah these are so and fun and if it's and not obvious from these last two you can do any movie you want it doesn't matter what year it's from it doesn't matter exactly. what genre do whatever you yeah want us to see even if you don't care about our review even if you don't care about our opinion you just want us to see the movie do it right yeah that we, we love doing it so uh, definitely send them our way man Thank you guys so much for listening. You can get involved in the conversation at Wild Dream Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the movie. Let us know what you thought of the episode. We will see you guys next week with the start of our blockbuster movie marathon. Okay, so this we are starting the uh, series of blockbuster movies. So it's you know stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to shit on a lot of stuff. <laughs> and we're yeah, gonna, it's going to be fun for y'all. <laughs> yeah, and hey, and if you have not seen Brock Shadow, go find Brock Shadow on YouTube. We will post the link on our Twitter to watch that because I promise you for this next series, you are going to want the context of Brock shadow. So go check it out. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Good night.
Okay, but Jane though. <laughs> but Jane though, bro. But Jane though. But Jane though. Who even is she? Yeah, bro, more like but Bay though. <laughs> no, like play though. Like play though. More like play though. Hey, but tornado. But tornado. <laughs> but tornado. <laughs> 